In today's episode, we're speaking to Dorothy Volnov. Dorothy is a business coach, consultant for six-figure women coaches and experts. She has 22 years of experience in sales and marketing and has a passion for helping clients realize their unique potentials so they can change their worth and stay in the zone of brilliance. Dorothy's gift is helping her clients find crystal clear clarity on the value and the results they provide for others and translate it into marketing that converts. She's a mom of two amazing children and has a podcast of her own as well. Let's speak to Dorothy and find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today we have the amazing Dorothy Wellnam. Welcome, Dorothy. Hello. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Gul. Thank you for coming and being a guest today, Dorothy. Dorothy, everyone's heard your intro. They know how amazing you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Sure. Um, So I'm a sales and marketing consultant. I help online six-figure women entrepreneurs to zero in on their zone of brilliance, simplify and increase their sales, and finally get all their fancy funnels and copywriting written and done, even if they dread tech or they feel scattered in their business. Oh, fantastic. So Dorothy, talk us through, how did you end up being a marketing expert? And what's your journey? Talk us through your journey. Um, I came by it naturally, but I wasn't aware of what was going on as I slowly progressed into this being my thing. Um, When I first started, uh, basically a few years before, I would say about five years before I left my corporate job, I discovered coaching. Mm. Um, A CEO that I um, had for a company that I worked for uh, actually got let go because of insider trading. And when that happens, the Securities and Exchange Commission releases a statement and they basically outlined everything that happened and what they would provide for him as a company. So the company had mentioned that in order for him to get a new job, because this was obviously a bit of a black mark on his resume, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, that they would provide coaching and they would provide executive coaching until he found a new job. And I remember just staring at that while I was sitting at my computer and thinking, what the heck is coaching? What are you talking about? Because coaching had only been to me, basically a term that was used for sports, right? Mm, Yeah. So I just stared at it. I read it. I started looking into it. And that sparked my curiosity because I'd always wanted to be a consultant, Mm. but I didn't have the confidence. I had imposter syndrome and I figured... I couldn't do it, right? Yeah. I didn't have the experience. So you're not good enough behold, to do it. Yeah, I know. That, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. And imposter syndrome <clears throat> is one thing that comes and bites everyone's backside. You know, from the biggest athlete to 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 the mom who thinks, "Am I good enough, mom?" So yeah, we all we all have a um, our fair share of imposter syndrome. But carry on. Yeah, and it comes back. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It is. It is you can't get rid of it. You get it goes away, and then it comes back. It's like a bad rash. It keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> new level, new devil. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. Fast forward a couple of years and I was working as a manufacturer's rep for Snap-on Tools. I was in industrial B2B. I had been working in sales since I was about 16 years old 
and had no idea that I was an expert in it, I was always wondering, you know, when someone was going to catch me out and decide that probably I wasn't qualified to be doing the jobs that I was doing. So I was running a big territory in my province, which is basically from Toronto to Thunder Bay in Northern Ontario in Canada. And I remember um, I got pregnant. I got really excited. It was super great. Uh, I took my mat leave with full intention of going back to work in six months. And at about six months, uh, with the baby on my hip, kind of staring off into the abyss thinking, I can't travel for three weeks of the month away from this baby. Mm -hmm. My husband works shift work, it's not going to be possible. So I was looking for a solution and coaching came back. I thought, huh, I wonder if I can make the leap and do this now. So I invested in a super high figure, like my first coaching course is not the program that most people invest in. Mm -hmm. um, it was a high pressure sales call. Uh, I was told I had to buy before I could even talk to my husband and that it was now or never. And I ended up investing. And it's funny because that's not like my sales style. But what I thought was that I wanted to run away from sales, that I wanted to do something else because I've been playing with different things. So I was trying to be a personal trainer. I was coaching people on the side that way and thought that that might be what I do. So my initial foray was health and fitness coach. I thought for sure that's what I was going to be doing. And inside that program, there ended up being just hordes of women who couldn't figure out how to market what they had, mm. sell what they had, understand their unique value, that sort of thing. So it started to become very apparent to me after having several side calls with these people and helping them with their sales that probably that's what I should do. And then eventually one of the coaching calls with my coach <laughs> in a group coaching call, she called me out and said, why are you trying to be a health coach? Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, because that's what I think I'm supposed to do. And she's like, yeah, no. She's like, I've heard about you. I know what's going on. You're coaching clients and you're talking to them about sales and you're helping them with their marketing. Why don't you be a sales coach? And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> And so that's what I ended up starting doing. And I, I stuck with coaching for a long, long time. I only coached. But what I quickly learned was basically when I'm coaching clients, I love the coaching process. I love those powerful questions and the intrigue and the interest and things like that and helping people come to their own ideas and their own conclusion. That was amazing to me. But what would happen was the following week, the client would come back and their life got busy and they didn't get things done. Mm. And we started again the next week. So that's when I pivoted to consulting. And the work that I do is done with you consulting. So when there's times when you're launching or when there's times when you need to get an email nurture sequence built up, I'm the sort of person who comes alongside you and helps you do that. Okay. So but you basically are the savior. You're able to get the, the message out and you attract the rights of leads or the rights of clients to yourselves. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of people that I work with consider me a translator mm -hmm. because they often come to me with um, marketing and copy that talks about what they do and how they do what they do. And it's above the level of their ideal client. So it's not really connecting with the right people in the right way. Their messaging is a little bit off or they're using maybe technical terms. I know there's a parent educator that I work with pretty extensively, and that was what it was. She is 30 years deep in the business and using terminology and things like that that just don't relate to parents and felt like she had to be really buttoned up and she had to communicate in this special way that she had learned through all her years of education. And it wasn't connecting with her clients. It wasn't 
creating sales. It wasn't attracting those parents that wanted to buy and invest with her. Mm. And how did you, um, I mean, the, the question here is, the million dollar question is, how did you transition from being an employee into, um, you know, into into uh, self-employment, into being you being an entrepreneur and being self-employed? I know you had an incentive that was to be with the baby, but how did you, you know, how did you handle the imposter syndrome again? That's imposter syndrome really comes to, you know, it really sort of haunts you when you when you are starting your entrepreneurial journey. So how did you overcome that? It was very challenging, and I would say I did a darn bad job at it in the beginning I would Mm -hmm. say I've been in business now for just a little over seven years and for the first three years I remember just basically operating in a silo oftentimes asking myself why no one was responding why weren't people listening to me why wasn't it just taking off why didn't people buy and that's because when you're in corporate sales you're given a book of people All your leads are given to you, right? I had 165 people that I was forced to sell to. Great training. Have to wear a different hat for every single person, change your personality, that sort of thing. But when I went out into the online world, I had to learn the hard way Mm -hmm. that you have to create your clients. Mm -hmm. You have to establish who you want to work with and what you're doing and the problem and all that sort of thing. So that was really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. I thought like most people do when they first start, that they can do it all, right? I can do it all for you. I can help you with all kinds of different things. And I stayed stuck a lot in learning forever mode Mm. where I kept taking course after course. Like I probably have a book of courses in my last pass that would exceed most people's wildest dreams because I always thought if I just learn one more skill, it'll work. And that 100% is not what people are looking for. If I had just focused on one skill, I would have been fine. But I I feel like it's given me perspective now after not being so stressed and after having a continuous book of clients and things like that. I feel like it's given me the opportunity to be empathetic to the people who I work with, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're often in the same boat. They're experts. They're brilliant. They have a unique zone of genius that they can work inside. And they don't see it because they're constantly stuck thinking they need to overwhelm themselves with tech. They need to do it all fancy and have these amazing things going. And that's really not what anyone's looking for. People are looking for you to solve their problems. So it it took me a long time to get there, though. So I feel like (laughs) that empathy is really strong within me to understand that people people are going to do that, right? You're afraid of being successful, often far more afraid than failing, far, far more afraid of being successful. Yeah, I mean that's that's the mindset thing, you know. I think people are more afraid of success than they are of failure, um, and they think they're afraid of failure, but actually it's not. It's the it's the fear of success which plays a major part. But that's one of the money blocks they have. But coming back to this idea of you know overcoming the imposter syndrome and, and realizing that you you have a skill set and you have this uh, service to you can provide to people, but you don't know how to attract them. So how did you get around that? How did you, you know, put your imposters into one side and start attracting your clients and saying, look, you know, just come, I, I can help you. How, how, what was the process? I started with small solutions. I actually started, <laughs> I always laugh about the tiny workshop things that people do. Um, I started doing that as like my first foray into getting um, high ticket paying clients. I basically went out and I would say, I will do small bits of things for you. I will, I ran people's Facebook ads. Um, It's not my favorite thing to do, but I have Mm. done it. It's not, not something I offer now, Mm. but I did that to see if I could create results, to see if I could create success. 
Um, and I got in conversations with people. One of my biggest things that I recommend to people all the time is mm. 100% of your conversions are going to be people. Unless you're selling to dogs, which you can't talk to who have people as owners, then you're probably going to need to talk to people. So I just got a lot of conversations with people. I shared a lot of my expertise in online social media groups so that people got a taste and a flavor for who I was and I got exposure um, and people started to recognize me and my name. And then basically those conversations turned into very big listening exercises for me of exactly what they were looking for. And there were a lot of people who said, I just need to connect, you know, the opt-in to the offer. And that's where I come in now. But back in the day, I was helping people just do email sequences, just design sales pages, just do small projects to win their favor, win their trust, that sort of thing. Because originally, I didn't understand how to take someone from the beginning stages of your opt-in through an email sequence to an offer, that sort of thing. I didn't understand funnels, even though I'd worked with them my whole life in sales. A sales funnel in the real business-to-business world is a lot different than a sales funnel inside of online marketing. And Mm -hmm. so it had to be something that I learned and built out as a unique process. But a lot of um, what people get afraid of with funnels, right, is that it's complicated and it's all this tech you have to connect and things like that. People don't realize that every single interaction you have is top of funnel. And then eventually that person becomes someone who wants to get to know you better and they need to have an access point. And most people aren't offering enough of those times to work with you. So that's what I did. I stumbled into little offers and those turned into conversations afterwards where clients wanted to work with me and wanted to do something bigger. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. I think that this is this is the key having um, having conversations but I suppose coming back to this idea a lot of the times you know if you are not confident in your ability then you will avoid those conversations but without the conversations you can't have sales so this is where we have to work on ourselves and I always say and you know strategy is 20 percent 80 percent mindset and this regard it's regardless of what area or whatever business you're going in because you have to have the confidence to be able to talk to people and know that you can provide even small, as you said, we started off small, small solutions, because you can always build from that, from those successes. But it's it's about having the ability to recognize what small way you can help your clients. Now, what's you know, I know that you work with women entrepreneurs. What's the biggest barrier you think, or what's the biggest mindset shift that your clients need to have to go from six figures to seven figures and beyond? What what do you see as biggest? Um, barrier for them they have to separate themselves from their business a lot of times a little bit right um most of us have this uh preconceived notion that we have to be holding our clients hands the entire time and it has to be a unique solution every single time Mm. and there's there's processes and systems inside what you do but it's very hard for you to see when you're in the weeds of it when you're working with individual clients one-to-one and you are doing high ticket, right? And you've got larger containers where they're paying you well, but you think that you have to do everything all the time. It has to involve you. So Mm. systematizing, streamlining, pulling out those, like teasing out those things where you can let them 
on their own achieve those accomplishments and then come to you and work, you know, forward. I always laugh because part of writing a sales page has always been a training that I've given to my clients. So they understand how to write a sales page and then we would do it together. Now they do it often all on their own. The entire thing is written and I just swoop in and help them with the edits and the verbiage and the messaging and things like that. It's something I sincerely believed I had to do with them one-to-one all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really simple example, but most of my clients need to understand that they need to step away from the areas where the, the, that's not their zone of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Their zone of brilliance is what they should be doing on a regular basis that creates those big leaps for people. Mm-hmm. And in order to get closer to that zone of brilliance, they need to let go of some of the, maybe their day-to-day social media stuff that they hate. The mm-hmm. other stuff is um, no matter how much money people are making, most of them still believe that sales is a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And it's not. No, it's, it's, it's an energetic exchange, right? It's a way to give someone a solution and collapse time and help them and support them. Mm-hmm. And for the case of me, right, spent so much money and wasted money learning hard lessons mm-hmm. that I can help them not have to do in order to create the success that they deserve. Mm. And that's a big shift, right? Getting getting comfortable with being confident and offering your services tends to really hit them hard at each level. But I find going from six to seven figures, a lot of my clients really, really start to doubt that their worth is that high. And it's, it is, it's like when people win the lottery, and then they blow all the money, right? They start edging into that seven figure mark. And they start thinking of ways to sabotage. Mm, That's actually very, very true, isn't it? Very true. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud a lot of the times we don't realize how much we are involved in our business and how much we need to pull away because I think there's this is an element of fear if I let go especially when it's your your baby it's your business and, and I think and, and I know for you're from the corporate background and I'm from the corporate background in the corporate world, we're used to doing everything ourselves. You know, we, we do, we may have secretaries or because obviously, you know, I come in the legal world and we do have secretaries, PAs, but they do, um, most of the actual work is done by us ourselves, you know, which is, which we get paid for. So when you become an entrepreneur, it's a different category altogether. You have to delegate and to learn to delegate. And without delegating, we can't grow. We can't go beyond six figures. It's very difficult to go beyond six figures. And having the right people in place is also difficult. Uh, I find I find personally that finding the right people to do the work has been more challenging the actual delegation part. But that's my personal experience. Uh, maybe because I'm used to you know um, giving work out to uh, PAs, paralegals, and so forth. But still, I found that more more challenging. Um, going back to this idea, you know, when did you decide that? Um, you know, you know, for example, before you're working with everyone and everyone, now when you when you, when you open the conversation, you specifically said, I work with women who are, you know, making six figures or above. When did you choose um, that, okay, I'm going to work with this category of people, I'm going to work with these sort of clientele? When did that come about? The people that I work with now, the reason why I define them the way that I do is because I am a very high touch service mm. and they need to have enough success behind them and a proven results framework that they can use, even if they haven't self-defined it, right? Because sometimes they just haven't. Sometimes they're just like, I know I'm creating these successes and it's going really great. It's pretty easy 
it's an evil thing to say, but it's pretty easy to get to six figures. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go beyond that. That's the next level, right? So the mm-hmm. reason why I started to work with these particular women was because I was so surprised with the clients I was working with that they were making lots of money, but they had disorganizations. I was getting into the back ends of like their learning management service. I was finding out that they didn't have any sort of evergreen nurture sequences in their emails or anything going on to support their business and give them lifestyle freedom. They were working more than they ever had in a job. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, you're passionate about it. You love it. This is your baby. This is your thing. These clients are, you know, the people you want to work with. It's all wonderful but it still will burn you out just like our corporate jobs do. So I was looking from behind the scenes forward and speaking to these people and saying like, it doesn't have to be like this. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a better way. And that's why I defined it the way I do one, because financially it's, it's affordable for them to work with me. I really can make a huge difference. So there's a lopsided value equation, which we all love to see. And two, because they need it. In order to move up, they're not going to get there without someone to support them. And it's it's that relinquishing of control. Like you say, they need an ally to come alongside them because they're afraid of the unqualified virtual assistant, or they've been working with a social media person that's just getting the job done, but it's not really serving its purpose, right? It's not creating the abundance that they're looking for. And so they need trusted people, which is great. I've spent a long time in the trenches meeting some really great people that I can then support them with in that nature as well. So that's one of the things that I recently brought on was I have a virtual assistant who's specifically trained to provide that kind of service Mm. such that it's not like they have to train them, right? It's not like they have to walk them through everything that they need done. We collaboratively work together and we all get the job done together. And mm-hmm. they get to, one of my clients just recently told me, I said, what difference did this make for you when I did this thing for you? And she's like, oh my gosh, I've never spent a weekend with my kids, not thinking about my business, not saying, oh, mommy's got to this, mommy's got to that. She actually, <laughs> my little dog in the back, sorry. <laughs> she actually was able to spend time with their kids and family and just completely drop the thought of work and just enjoy and relax Mm. now that's interesting as well isn't it I think as as a small business owners we have this idea that we need to be constantly doing things or we feel guilty about not working and then and if you have if you're a working mom then you feel guilty about not spending time with your kids and it becomes a vicious cycle so when you're with the kids you're thinking about work when you're with work you're thinking about kids and it's just yeah I know <laughs> I know the feeling it's equating uh, your productivity with your value yeah it's similar to like if you're uh, there's a great girl on uh, TikTok that I love uh called Casey Davis and she says keeping a clean house is morally neutral mm-hmm. And the same thing with productivity. Your productivity does not equate to your value. Mm. Productivity is morally neutral, right? It's great. We have to do stuff. We have to get Mm. stuff done. Absolutely. But thinking that in order to be valuable to society and to life, that you have to be productive, Mm. that's a scam. That's what you've been taught Mm. by the corporate world. And that's what they want you to believe. Mm. And it's not true. You need creative time. You need breaks. You need your brain to stop functioning and to just enjoy the sunshine every now and then. And you need people in your life that help you do that because you will make more money doing that. 
Wonderful. And on that note, we're going to wrap this up. So Dorothy, tell us, how can we actually, let's do a final thoughts. What are your final thoughts to women? Because I think this is an important discussion. We'll carry on money talkies. But what would you recommend to someone who is, um, you know, who, who is currently, um, you know, working seven days a week and is working longer hours now in her business than she was when she was, you know, in a corporate employment job. But, you know, she she did this work, she did or started this profession to be around the kids and to have time freedom. Yet she's had, she has neither. What would your advice be to someone like that? There's help. Get help. <laughs> Talk to someone and get them to help you build out systems. This is what the people who are making a lot more money are doing and it's the mindset you need to adapt. You need to become the CEO of your business rather than the employee of your business. Wonderful. So tell us, Dorothy, how can we connect with you? Where can, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at my website at dorothyvilnov.com. Hopefully that'll be in the show notes because that's a that's a last name. <laughs> and then I'm also at Dorothy Villeneuve Coaching on Instagram most often. And then if you're hanging out on Facebook and you want to be part of a really fun community, uh, the Wildly Confident Sales Facebook page will take you to my Wildly Confident Sales uh, private community group. So those are the three areas where I'm best easiest to find. Wonderful. So if you are listening to us on the podcast, then all the links that Dorothy's just mentioned will be on the show notes. And if you're watching us on YouTube, then below in the description section, once again, we'll have the links for Dorothy. Go check her out. She sounds amazing. Um, and then see if she can help you with your sales. Well, thank you. Do- thank you so much, Dorothy, for such an amazing um, and open discussion. Um, we have to have you back on, Dor- on uh, Money Talkies, but for today, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening to me and Dorothy today on Friday Feature. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.